Yeah, it's our podcast. We can talk about what we want. Don't inject drunk. Don't inject drunk. <laughs> I wasn't drunk. <laughs> I've only done one nipple, literally one. You can probably talk from a personal <laughs> basis about penile filler. Yeah, he is so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome to another episode of Beauty and the Brain, the podcast where we talk about all things aesthetics. I'm your co-host, Dr. Chris Crowley. And I'm Jerry Drinkard, family nurse practitioner, and together Chris and I own Skin and Tonic, or med spa located in Pace, Florida. We've been doing this podcast for a little while, and we, we really do always have fun when we're filming the episodes, but today I think we have a really interesting episode on odd places to put hyaluronic acid filler. Oh. With the social media out there, I think it shows all kind of people trying to either prove something new or invent the latest technique or in, you know introduce something new that's not on label to the aesthetic world and so there's lots of strange places that people are using filler outside of the areas that it um, has FDA approval for. Certainly a lot different than the FDA approvals. Yeah, yeah, these are very, very strange areas. So we're gonna talk about that in this episode. We have a lot of uh, things to talk about when we talk about putting fillers and outside of the FDA approved areas. Before we jump into that though, let's just talk a little bit about where fillers are typically used. I think the most common places that have own label uses for um, filler, we'll just kind of start at the top and work our way down to the chin. So um, we now have FDA clearance for under eye filler. Cheeks are very common. We're talking on label, mm -hmm. right? On label or off, just common areas. So um, yeah, a, it's our a, podcast. We can talk about what we want. So we yeah, like to. common <laughs> requested, but not necessarily common is nose. I was just going to kind of work my way down the face. Mid face volumization is very popular. Lips is probably one of the most common, most requested, and chin augmentation and jaw augmentation. Those are kind yeah. of so pretty, pretty common. much in the face. I think people face. are familiar with fillers right. in the face. Like you said, the nose is not really a common one. It's definitely one of the riskier areas, and we talked about that in a prior podcast episode that you really wanna make sure that you kind of um, talk to your injector, that you get to know them in their training because we know with nose filler, it is one of the more risky areas. Not only can you have some tissue necrosis, but even blindness from that. So we are really selective with who we place nose filler in our practice at Skin and Tonic. Um, but some of the other areas are a little bit less risky. Anytime we're doing a medical procedure, there are obviously some risk, but um, we really do a lot of things to, to make sure that we keep our patients safe. And by staying kind of in the FDA approved on-label areas, we know that they've been studied in a large group of patients and shown to be safe. The nose while we're, while we're there is, to me, one of the scariest places to inject, but also one of the most common because mm -hmm. back to social media, you can see some phenomenal results from it. It's a treatment that I myself do not offer at the clinic. Um, Chris, is a, he ventures into that more than I do. I've had it personally as a treatment, but also as an injector and knowing the risk, I was horrified the second time that we did it. The first time, we talk about this in all of our classes, it was probably one of the first places I had dermal filler. Yeah, because when we started, um, we kind of knew about vascular occlusions, um, and that's one of the complications that's taught in all of the aesthetic classes now. 
But uh, 15 years ago, we touched on it a little bit, but it wasn't near the focus as it is today in the way we educate Safety new providers. Safety just wasn't addressed as much yeah. as it, what it is now. So we took a class and um, we went back to Chicago. We were living in Chicago at the time. And when we got back, we set up our account. We ordered some um, product. And I think we got Juvederm at the time, maybe it was the, the product we used. And um, literally, we did everything wrong. Uh, we always say, don't start with the nose. Make sure you have your emergency medication. Don't inject drunk. Don't inject drunk. <laughs> I wasn't drunk. I wasn't drunk for the record. Jerry might have had a few glasses of wine. <laughs> we also recommend our patients not drink. I was getting my drink. freaking nose injected at our bar in our <laughs> yeah, house. We were doing this at our kitchen bar. Again, things that we do not recommend that is incorrect. And um, we were lucky, we were really lucky because Jerry had had two prior surgical rhinoplasties. I had minimal filler injection experience. We did not have the um, reversal medication needed should we run into a problem, nor did we even think about the problem. So we sit there, we did it, we had a beautiful result. I was so proud of- uh, No Hylonex. No Hylonex, no, not at all. But, but again, we didn't really even think about it. And um, we were both, you were happy with your results. I was proud of my work. And then the more we learned, the more we were like, oh shit, what, what did we do? And we didn't do it again for uh, years. Years. Yeah, a long, long time. 13. Yeah, <laughs> and then we finally decided, hey, we need a little bit of correction, are we gonna try it? And he was a nervous wreck. We had all the emergency stuff. We had an ultrasound available. We did all the safety things. And even with all of that, uh, it was still, we approached it with much trepidation. Um, as we encourage any injector to do. So in terms of risk, it's one of the areas that we're asked to inject in the face, a little bit more risky, but some great results. What about, um, what are your thoughts on forehead filler? Um, I think it ranks right up there with, with nose filler. It's also a very risky um, area to inject. The, the vascularity in the forehead is one of those things that there's a, a lot of, um, a lot of room for differences between different patients. And so, you know, none of our anatomy is the same. And so we know an, an idea of where the vascular structures are, but I also think that it's, um, it's one of those things like I'm really not, not fond of doing. Mm -hmm. I think it's requested a lot less than, than nose filler. I think it's requested areas. less because we don't talk about a lot and patients don't see it as an option, but at least from what I see looking at um, some studies and reports and what's taught at some of the international conferences, this looks like a procedure that's performed in other countries. We just it's, watched a class recently. Yeah, as commonly as, you know, we perform nasolabial fold fillers here in the U.S. So it's certainly not an area that has an on-label indication for any of the products. But, um, you know, over time, we know there's a lot of volume loss, there's changes to the shape of the skull. And so uh, definitely some of the techniques that um, I'm kind of been playing with a little bit more and uh, seeing some great results is placing some filler in the forehead or uh, even up in the hairline to kind of replace some of that loss volume and, and kind of lift a little bit. And you can really feminize a face when you're looking at like full face rejuvenation, whole face rejuvenation, like just giving that little extra curvature to the forehead really feminizes the face and gives it an attractive appearance. Yeah. So, um, so I think that is something that, that I just need more experience with because I do like the results. Well, I mean, so, so, I mean, part of it's experience, but I would say that, you know, you're as experienced or, or more than I, we took classes at the same time. We've been in this business the same length of time. 
And um, you know, everybody in this area knows that you're injecting many patients every single day. So I think experience is one thing, but why don't you talk about other things that we do specifically in our office um, for safety that may not be in every office? So we have um, the, the fortunate that we have the Clarius uh, ultrasound technology in our office mm -hmm. um, that, that we do use. We use blunt tip cannulas for any of the risky areas. Um, you know, I think one of the, the main things is education, education, education regarding anatomy, knowing your anatomical landmarks when you start in, injecting these areas, um, palpation of arteries. And so I think there are a lot of things we can do to make this safer. Yeah, I love the uh, ultrasound. I think that's a growing area that uh, people are interested in learning more about uh, in the aesthetic industry in terms of providers. And I think from a patient standpoint, it's something that we can do when we go into these riskier areas to make it a little bit safer. Also making sure that your injector has plenty of the reversal medication and a network of people to call upon if they have into those, any of those problems. So let's move a little bit from that. Those are kind of risky, but still I would say common areas and talk about things that maybe people don't even know about. And then we get the random request here and there. And uh, when we look it up, we see that more and more people are starting to request it. You know, start with the uh, earlobes. Let's look at that. Yeah, um, and we've we've done earlobes for for several years. It was um, it's one of those things that I I think kind of trends. Yeah, it kind of comes in bundles. It seems yeah, like. Um, and so earlobes, it's a lot of ladies have stretched ear earring holes from wearing danglies or heavy earrings every years. Or genetically, a lot of times people have a crease that just makes the ear appear um, to be know older or as you age it deflates just like a lot of other things so injecting the preauricular area the area i call it my old man lines right in front of my ear or the earlobes i think those are places that we don't commonly have people come in and ask for but it's one of those things when you when you're tweaking the face it's really nice to attention to detail yeah i mean the the earlobes especially it's a relatively low risk procedure it's super easy it doesn't hurt a lot it's a little bit of filler and you can take years off a patient's age just by replacing a little bit of volume there. And oftentimes they don't think about it. And so only when they hear somebody, they see it on social media. Um, if we put like a sign up in the office with a before and after, people all of a sudden think like, oh, I can get it there. Yeah. When we're talking about like doing little tweaks on the face and the like the preauricular areas, another area that we um, that we learned about it years ago when we took a course from Dr. Ronalds doing the vampire facelift, but is um, using dermal filler right on the brow bone to give like a little brow lift. I think people commonly know about it, um, getting a brow lift with the neurotoxin, but they don't think about getting a lift with using a dermal a filler. Bit of filler there. So you can, um, you can augment that area and get a nice natural lift. It makes the light reflect off that area a little more. Um, so that's a, another kind of quirky little spot to put, you know, point to or whatever if you have some left. So let's talk about some areas in the body that people may not know about. Um, what are your thoughts on nipple filler? Well, <laughs> I've only done one nipple, literally one. I had a male patient that had one inverted nipple that was slightly inverted. And when we did his cheeks, I also did a little nipple filler and it turned out great. So that was my literally nipple experience, not yeah. nipples. I mean, but we've had a few in the practice. So um, one of our business um, 
partners, uh, Trinket Parker, has been doing permanent makeup for years. And actually, she's incredibly passionate about um, the permanent makeup for breast cancer survivors and breast cancer reconstruction. Her uh, sister had breast cancer and unfortunately passed away. But this has been really a passion of hers for many, many years. We're going to have her on one of the upcoming episodes, so you guys stay tuned. Her story is really fascinating. And um, check out some of her work on our website. But Trinket does a lot of 3D tattooing, where she can really do this great detailed um, animation of nipples. So for uh, patients who have had to have mastectomies and had their breasts removed, and uh, now we're able with filler to go back in and create a little bit of texture in that area, a little bit of a raised area as well, which in the past, um, you know, we were not really uh, thinking about. And so now we have that patient population that may want a little bit of texture along with the color and the repigmentation. And so our, if it's somebody, somebody has an inverted nipple or none at all and they want them to be larger, we can certainly do that. Yeah. I guess we're working our way down the body. Yeah, we can work our way down the body. Maybe elbows. Elbows, yeah, that's an interesting one. So it would take quite a bit of the hyaluronic acid filler. It's certainly possible. And if there's any kind of scarring or uh, maybe some uh, lax tissue in that area. Personally, instead of using hyaluronic acid filler kind of in elbows and knees, I like to use more of the biostimulants or PDO uh, thread. So we can use something like our uh, Sculptra, which again, you guys hear me talk about all the time. I love it from uh, Galderma. It's um, a biostimulant that's really gonna help create your own collagen. So we have really great results when we use uh, Sculptra in that area. But we could use some hyaluronic acid filler uh, to provide a little bit of tissue support. Um, it just may be quite a few vials. Yeah, we, we kind of missed a, a huge area and talking about Kaha or um, Radius is one of the areas that's very popular is the decollete. And so it's, um, it's really common in, in female um, population, especially women with breasts that are side sleepers or, or just because of sun damage in that area that you get the crepey skin in that area. And this filler it, or, or biostimulant works really well in that area. We've also um, had several patients that we used the uh, hyper diluted in the lateral upper arms just to correct crepey skin. Yeah, and we can also do a lot of these things in the neck as well. So for those horizontal necklines, but I would say that's a pretty common. So we're talking about you know more strange and unusual. So I thought about neck, but then I thought, well, I guess we really have to talk about that because that's fairly common. Um, do you use it anywhere ever in the fingers or hands? Yeah, hands are common. So we have um, hand treatments at the clinic where we do a combination of CO2 therapy, um, resurfacing for the hands, and also revolumization. And typically we either use one of the Galderma products, Restylane Lift is very common in that area, and also Radius, which is mm -hmm. um, the biostimulant that we were just talking about, Kaha, that's, um, that's very popular in that area. And so using both of those, we've gotten good results. Most of the time it does take a repeated um, treatment, but I think um, you get the best treatment using the dermal fillers when you also correct the texture, whether you do that with um, one of the lasers or the, I love VI peel also for the hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and again, you know, going back to, to strange areas for filler, let's get to the juicy topic. So where are the most risque areas that you've been asked to inject filler? So we have been asked to inject for labia um, for vaginal rejuvenation because with hormone changes, a lot of times you lose that juicy appearance, youthful appearance um, in the vaginal area. And then you can 
probably talk from a personal <laughs> basis about penile filler. Yeah, he is so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. <laughs> Anybody that knows me knows how averse. Chris is doing good to get. Yeah, a I'm doing good to get treatment. this sport treatment. Yeah, I hate needles, so I definitely have not. But. I mean, in all reality, it's, it's not uncommon. I was going to say, it's not an uncommon request. And we do keep patients very comfortable. They don't really complain about pain as much as that as some of the laser treatments for the face. But I'm still a baby and not willing to try a lot of these things. Yeah, but I mean, for females, I think it's a good point that you were bringing up. So for the, the labia, really, they can kind of get deflated over time. And I don't think people think about really rejuvenating that area. But um, we can put fillers there. We can put PRP there. We can do a mixture of the two. Um, you can do some uh, laser in that area to kind of uh, improve the appearance or tighten up the skin. So definitely with the changes that you see with aging or uh, the hormonal changes and kind of some of the atrophy or shrinking of the tissue in that area, filler is a great way that we can replace that. Um, and then I, I know you, you're not going to, uh, we're not going to leave this podcast episode without you talking about penile filler. Um, you guys can look back at our prior episodes. We did a whole episode and we really delve a lot into this on when is big too big. And that one got a lot of traction, a lot of views. And then we had our friend, um, Danielle McGraw from down at, um, Renew Med Spa down in Walton Beach. Yeah. And, I mean, we love Danielle and we had a, uh, she did a whole segment on penile filler. And she's had a lot of luck, um, a lot of luck and a lot of success stories. Um, so I, I think that we've pretty much covered like head yeah, to Yeah, and so, I mean, I want to make sure that didn't come across because I know you don't mean it like this. She has had a lot of good results. So not luck that not bad results because Danielle's a great provider. So oh. she's very skilled and talented and not, yeah, that, sorry. not that she's just lucky <laughs> yeah. doing this, but she's a really talented and she's had very good results. Very good results. Sorry. But I'd rather be lucky than good. So. I, I mean, I, I want a little luck on my side as well. I just want to make sure if Danielle's listening out there, she knows that we think she's a phenomenal provider. Kind of going back to we're talking about dermal fillers, I know, but um, with the, the the female like vaginal rejuvenation, I think that's something that's pretty big right now mm-hmm. that um, used to be so taboo that people didn't, didn't realize that it was available. And... Um, we won't get too much into it because we have a, a, another episode, but using PRP combination, PRP standalone, you know, injecting the clitoris with it. Um, so, yeah, it's really, I mean, I find it kind of fascinating and hopefully in the either later um, this season or beginning of our season two that we're going to start uh, filming pretty soon. We're going to be able to get a guest on here that is one of the um, OBs, OB gynecologists that has went into aesthetics. And it's interesting because their society has taken official stances against things that focus on the aesthetics of the vaginal area. And they definitely have their own uh, strong opinions from these societies on what should and shouldn't be done. So it's a little bit controversial that people are even offering these services. I can tell you that talking to our colleagues and friends and for sure for listening to our patients, it's something that's in high demand. And so I think you need to know the you know risk of the procedures that you're performing, make that plan with your patient, make sure that you have um, you know some plan should an emergency situation arise, how are you gonna handle that, know the potential harms. But a lot of the societies, um, I don't know if they're behind the times, I don't know why they're so opposed to this. I can tell you some of my um, gynecology colleagues that I've spoken to on this feel that it's because there's not um, 
a lot of uh, big pharma or um, money to be made from the pharmaceutical side of things. And so because of that, that they're kind of opposed to this. So it doesn't get talked about a lot. And I think we can have a whole entire episode. And like I said, I really would like to have uh, that uh, one of our good friends on um, in the future. We just have, uh, get, we got to get that booked and we got to get the technology so we can have somebody call in remotely. Yeah. The other thing is like, I think safety. When mm-hmm. Like we can never say that enough. And regardless of whether you're injecting foreheads, noses, penis, or labia, like safety is like should be at the forefront of every injector's um you know goal like we want optimal goals for our outcomes for our patient the the end result is to provide a safe treatment for the patient so so we talked about um hyaluronic acid fillers which are the gel fillers that can be reversed that's in our body Um, and we talked a little bit about biostimulants what are your thoughts about biostimulants in the penis or in the labia in the vagina my personal thoughts are that there's a, an increased risk for granulomas, and I think that tissue's small, um, is so much thinner in that area that I personally would prefer to use an HA. Mm-hmm. And I'd also prefer to use an HA just because of the ability to reverse the outcome of this undesirable. Yeah, so I like personally the fact that it can be reversed should we have a complication in either of those areas with the hyaluronic acid. Um, but our uh, friend and colleague, Dr. John Leonardo up in Canada, he does tons of um, uh, penile enhancement procedures and he's using um, diluted radius in, in many of his. And so we kind of followed his work and um, he's had some really great results as yes. well. So it definitely opens my mind to the ideas that there are other ways to do things out there. And so there are providers that are doing these biostimulant fillers. Um, you know, again, from my standpoint, at, at, at this point in time, I feel safer with HA fillers. I don't know how my opinion on that will evolve in the future as more people do this, but right now um, I also uh, stick with the HA fillers that we can reverse. Right. I need to take a trip to Canada and train with John. Yeah, he's been saying that. And so, um, yeah, we, we'll have to get him up there and do a training. So you, you would enjoy that. Yep. We hope you guys have learned something new and that you're now not afraid to try filler in some unconventional places. If you have any questions about filler in any non-traditional area, feel free to book a consult with us. Go online. We're happy to answer your questions. Thanks again for tuning in this week to another episode of Beauty in the Brain. We look forward to seeing you next week. See you soon. soon.